Burrow trying to keep it going, gets spun down, gets it away, and incomplete. It looked like Piron might have had a shot to make the grab, but the Rams now running down to celebrate with a defensive play. And guess who? Guess who? I mean, you don't even have to think about it. Do not even have to think about it. Pointing. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is the Football News and Knowledge Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Bell, and that was the sound from the final fourth and one play in the Super Bowl when Aaron Donald spun down Joe Burrow to secure the victory for the LA Rams in Super Bowl 56. I hope you guys have had a great week, and I know that some of you might be a little fatigued or annoyed by the fact that there was not an episode earlier this week, and I will explain myself for that. I could have done one. I can honestly say that. I definitely could have, but I felt like it would have been a bit of an injustice to the whole Super Bowl just story with the Rams. I wanted to wait until after the parade and to kind of like recap everything all at once just so that way you aren't having to hear throughout the entire week about it and you just need to hear it one day. With that said, like I said, I hope you guys had a great week and we are going to dive in to the Super Bowl and recapping everything that went down there. Starting off with probably the the thing that a lot of us probably assumed was going to happen, but I said that if Eli Apple even gives up one touchdown, then he is getting the award. So, what happened? Do, do balls drop off? Eli Apple, congratulations. You have single-handedly helped hand the L to your team. Now, Eli Apple was not the only corner that was underperforming and underwhelming in that Super Bowl. The other corner who actually played for the other team, a cornerback that none of us would have expected to have this bad of a game. I'm going to give him also the award for the what happened, did your balls drop off, the award going to Jalen Ramsey. What happened? Did your your balls drop off? Jalen Ramsey gave up 160 yards in the Super Bowl. That is more yards than he has ever given up in a single game in his pro career and his college career. I would assume I couldn't find the statistics from his high school career, but I'm sure that it's probably measurable. That's probably the worst game of his entire football life, and it came in the biggest stage. So... While Eli Apple, as a matter of fact, I'm sorry, I, I, we're going to be talking a little bit about MVP voting. I feel like Eli Apple could easily have won the MVP for the uh, LA Rams because he was the most valuable player for the LA Rams. The fact that you had to just target Eli Apple, one of the worst corners in the league, and I'm not saying that to just be an asshole towards Eli Apple. He statistically, both not only by myself, and I actually kind of liked him. He he was a good role player for the Bengals, I felt, and made some good plays throughout the year. But not only with my statistics, but with PFF's statistics, he was very underwhelming. And he did not perform at, 
well at all this year. I think he ranked as one of the bottom three corners in the league overall. So, again, Eli Apple, got to ask you, what happened? What happened? Did your balls, balls drop, drop off? Because that was god-awful. Both the corners really played bad. And if we look at the play that was aired at the beginning of the episode when Aaron Donald spun down Joe Burrow on fourth and one, if the Cincinnati Bengals would have just been able to keep the pressure off of Joe Burrow for two more seconds, the Cincinnati Bengals would have scored a touchdown. Because as I'm sure many of you have seen by now, Jamar Chase had beat Jalen Ramsey down the field. Jalen Ramsey had tripped and fallen. It would have been a touchdown. It would have been easily a touchdown. But Aaron Donald being the best defensive tackle in the league, it's going to make things hard. And, of course, disrupted the play and ended the Bengals' Super Bowl hopes and dreams and got himself his first ring in his career. A career that could potentially be at its end. As reported by Rodney Harrison leading up to the Super Bowl that he had been talking with Aaron Donald and that it could be potentially Aaron Donald's last ride in the NFL that he was considering retirement. And now the questions are getting asked, is he actually going to retire? And personally, I could see it actually happening. I could see him retiring. This is a guy who's who is 6'1", 285 pounds. And to be 6'1", and weigh that much, and look like a Greek god that he he's sculpted, like he is, if you haven't seen the clips from the Super Bowl parade, go check those out. He is just jacked. He's shredded for someone his size. And that's not something you see in NFL defensive tackles. You don't see someone who is 6'1", at, well, 6'1", his height, his position, being as big as he is. Not only that, you don't really see 6'1", defensive tackles. He is kind of <laughs> the anomaly in the whole situation. He He's the only person in the league that's built like him. And having to constantly worry about you know your weight your shape your strength and your size and how much double and triple teams he has to deal with I can't help but feel like he might be thinking hey you know maybe I I got my ring I'm one of the best to ever do it I'm pretty much a clear-cut first ballot hall of famer once I earn five years if I retire why should I keep playing when I could save my body, live my life in a healthy fashion, maybe drop some of this weight to a more manageable weight where I'm not stressing over my diet so much and actually be able to enjoy life with his kids, his wife, and pursue other business ventures. And I know that there's certain football fans who would say to me, oh, well, you want to win as many Super Bowls as you can, and they have a stacked team. And just to talk about that for a second... Yes, they have a stacked team. They do. But they are very front-loaded. They do not have a lot of depth. And I can say that, and I know that a lot of you would agree with me on this, when OBJ went down in that Super Bowl, 
everyone was thinking, and I was in a bar, and everyone was thinking, oh, fuck, the Bengals are going to easily win this now. And it's because who do you have behind Cooper Cup and OBJ? You have Tyler Higby, who was injured. Then the second string tight end, blanking on the name, he got injured during the Super Bowl. You don't have a lot of depth at the wide receiver position. You're going to be losing Andrew Whitworth, your pretty much most solid piece on the offensive line. There's a lot of moving pieces this year, and they do have to re-sign Von Miller. Aaron Donald had said that he would come back if they re-sign Aaron Donald and OBJ. And we're going to cut to the clip from the Super Bowl parade when asked, you know, if he's going to come back to run it back. They just tapped me on the shoulder. He wanted to know if you were interested in running it back. Run it back! Run it back! We built the super team. We can bring the super team back. Why not run it back? We could be world champions. Yeah! <laughs> and as you can hear, everyone now thinks that, oh, he's coming back. They're going to run it back. There are key words that were missed by many fans when Aaron Donald said, yeah, let's run it back. He said, if we can bring back the super team, if we can bring back the super team, keywords, if, or keyword, if, then why not run it back? There are players that they need to resign. They need to resign Von Miller. They need to resign OBJ, who will probably end up missing the entirety of the next season, might be back for the final couple weeks, and then the playoffs. And we, we really don't know how he'll perform coming back. Coming back from an ACL injury, very hard on NFL players. Very, And I know that certain people will say right now, oh, Aaron, or Adrian Peterson came back from it and rushed for 2,000 yards. He, Like I said before with Aaron Donald, just like Aaron Donald, Adrian Peterson is the anomaly in that group. Not every player is tearing their ACL and having the best year of their career once they come back. So it does depend on if the team is built back and they or brought back, they get Von Miller back, which I'm sure they will. I'm sure they'll get OBJ back. But I think that the Rams are not a team that are really built to go back-to-back Super Bowls and win them. I would feel more confident with the Bengals potentially going back-to-back as of right now, just looking at it because of the fact that they do have better depth on their team and they have more building blocks to potentially pursue a better or better free agents, get good players in the draft, and you know make another run at it. Do I think it's going to happen? Not necessarily. There's a lot of things that can happen in the offseason that will change the viewpoint, but... I'm going to say this. If Aaron Donald leaves, the Rams are not going back to the Super Bowl. For any Rams fans, I'm not trying to crush your hopes and dreams. Although, even if I was trying to, it should be pretty hard. You guys just won the Super Bowl. Again, congratulations. I kind of doubted the Rams. I was kind of swayed by some conspiracy theories. And I can even say some of the film suggested, hey, the the Bengals would be able to beat 
the Rams in the Super Bowl. But there are a lot of things in that where that I expected to happen in the Super Bowl that did not happen. For one, I expected the Bengals to run more sets that had an extra lineman blocking or an extra offensive player blocking, like on the 75-yard touchdown uh, pass to T. Higgins when the uh, tight end for the Bengals stayed in to block. It, it was amazing. That was like the only play that he stayed in the block, and the what happens? They score a touchdown. Then during the entire second half when they're struggling with the offensive line, they didn't have the tight end stick in or stay in at all to help block and you know give Joe Burrow more, more time. I think that if the tight end stays in and blocks on that final play, we're talking about how Jamar Chase just burned Jalen Ramsey for the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. I totally believe that would be happening, and I believe that a lot of people would be talking more about, oh yeah, Eli Apple, he was kind of a... He was kind of burnt toast, but also Jalen Ramsey. Oh, my God. For the first time in his career, what a downer. Like, just complete, like, two, just completely burnt toast gets burnt again if that happened. So, I was shocked by that. I thought that they would probably run more sets where they'd have an extra offensive player blocking, but they ended up not, and... Ended up being the reason why they lost, in my opinion, if I'm being forthright honest. But all that being said, I will say, again, congratulations to the LA Rams, Super Bowl champions. I did not believe you guys would end up winning it, but you guys proved me wrong. Uh, I, It's an awesome season. I'm happy for Aaron Donald. I'm happy for Andrew Whitworth finally getting his Super Bowl. It seems like no matter what, he would have ended up playing in a Super Bowl at some time, if he ended up staying with the Bengals, if you didn't know, he played for the Bengals before he played for the Rams. But it was a great experience. I'm happy for Matthew Stafford. And, yeah, a, a lot of people, real quick, we're going to talk about one thing regarding Matthew Stafford, and then we're going to go to a short break. And that is Stafford. Everyone's now saying, oh, is Stafford a Hall of Famer? And for anyone who thinks that he is, folks, he won a Super Bowl does not mean he's a Hall of Famer. I think that if he continues to play like how he did this past year for the next couple of years, then yes, we're probably looking at Matthew Stafford as a second ballot Hall of Famer at best, at the very best. I do not think, for, and certain people will probably say, oh no, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's not about what we think, it's about what the right, or the journalists think. It's about what the Associated Press think because they're the ones who vote on who's the MVP for the league or who's going into the Hall of Fame, sorry, and also the MVP. But uh, he, at this moment, is kind of known as that quarterback that, yeah, he he's good. He was good with the Lions. Now, I think that people undervalue what he did with the Lions, including a lot of people who will say he's a bust. But I think that he did a lot of good things with the Lions, and this is how the AP is going to view it. He did a lot of good things, nothing crazy. He had, They're going to say, oh, he had Calvin Johnson. He had Ndamukong Sue. He 
and he didn't ever win a playoff game. Then he went to a arguably super team and won a Super Bowl. Just because you go to a different team doesn't mean you're a Hall of Famer. Now, if he stays with the Rams and performs at a high level like he has, like I said, then yes, I would say he's probably going to be a second ballot Hall of Famer, maybe even farther down. I would see him as a future Hall of Famer. I don't think he has a chance to be a first ballot Hall of Famer unless he ends up winning another Super Bowl or potentially even two more Super Bowls. Or who knows? If he wins another Super Bowl and an MVP, then I think everyone says he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. But I think that's the only way he would be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Especially when you think about players that might end up retiring around his time, like Aaron Rodgers potentially, uh, and even Russell Wilson. And for those who are saying, oh, Russell Wilson's still young, he's not as young as most people think. He's actually the same age as Matthew Stafford. So they probably have about the same amount of time left in the NFL for both of them. And if I was voting to who goes in the Hall of Fame first, or Hall of Fame first, I would vote on Russell Wilson because he has had a more prolific career. And I would arguably say that he has been the key part of the CLC were good. The only reason occasionally that they were good. Granted, I will say the same thing with Matthew Stafford, but it was more evident with Russell Wilson. Like, there was a year, a couple years ago, that there was only one rushing touchdown by the Seattle Seahawks the entire year. And the rest of the touchdowns either had Russell Wilson passing the ball or running the ball in himself. So run one rushing touchdown by, or one touchdown not scored by Russell Wilson, I should say. So it's kind of a big thing. Like that lay shows, hey, he's their entire offense. Whereas Matthew Stafford has always had some sort of weapon around him for the most part where you could say, hey, he doesn't need to be the best player on the team. Russell Wilson has had times where he needed to be the best player on his team for the entire length of the season. So I would choose uh, I would choose Wilson over Stafford. Like I said, <clears throat> I think that Stafford is a great quarterback, potential future Hall of Famer, if he keeps performing at a high level, which I think he will. And I think he deserves eventually to go into the Hall of Fame if he does play as well as he does. Uh, he played very good for the Lions. The Lions are such a dysfunctional team. And for anyone who said that Matthew Stafford was a bust for the Lions, he was not the bust. The Lions are the bust. If you get drafted by the Lions, it's not, hey, I'm going to turn around this team. Like, they were probably thinking that, but after like a year or two, they're like, fuck, man. They need to turn me around because I, I, I need to get the hell out of here. This is crazy. Are you kidding me? How are you this bad? How are you this dysfunctional? The Detroit Lions have kind of become what the Cleveland Browns were a couple of years ago. And, of course, the Cleveland Browns are dealing with some dysfunction right now as well, but I digress. With that, though, we are going to take a short break. When we return, we will be discussing MVP voting and why we believe that the MVP voting should be done differently for the Super Bowl when we return after this.
Welcome back. This is the Football News and Knowledge Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Bell, and we are going to be discussing why I believe that the NFL Super Bowl MVP votes should be changed based on how you vote. The reason that I say this is because while Cooper Cup, tremendous wide receiver, arguably the best wide receiver season in the history of the NFL, especially when you add in the Super Bowl MVP, triple crown winner for receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, and receptions, lead, helps lead his team to a Super Bowl win, and he wins the MVP, I would arguably say best season for a wide receiver in the history of the NFL. But I do not believe that Cooper Cup should have won Super Bowl MVP. And the reason I say that is because Cooper Cup was not the best player on the field in the Super Bowl. He was not the most valuable player for the Rams. He wasn't even the best receiver by the end of the first half. The best receiver by the end of the first half was OBJ. If we were just basing off the first half, and if OBJ would have continued, I think OBJ would have been or would have finished with better statistics than Cooper Cup. He might have had two touchdowns. He might have had the game-winning touchdown, actually. But injuries, of course, caused Cooper Cup to be pushed more into the front running for that. Uh, and then also, I would argue that Aaron Donald was more important to the Rams win, seeing as he was the guy who created so much havoc for that offensive line uh, of the Bengals. I would say that he could also just be the winner just because the fact that he was the one who ended the game on fourth and one. So it, it, And with them just voting at the end of the game, saying like, oh, who is the best player? Of course you're going to choose Cooper Cup because he has the two touchdowns, the game-winning touchdown. But I think what the press and everyone who votes should be doing is it should go based on each quarter. At, at the end of each quarter, whoever has a vote has to write down the name of their MVP from that court. Doesn't matter what team it's from. Does not matter. Who was the most valuable person on the field in the first quarter? Okay, you do that. Second quarter ends. Who was the most valuable player on the field in the second quarter? Okay, write that name down. Third quarter, do the same thing. And then fourth quarter, do it. And then whoever, whatever player has the most votes between those, everyone that has an actual vote, He's the MVP. Doesn't matter if he's on the losing team or the winning team. And for those people who are saying, oh, well, you can't have a Super Bowl MVP be on the losing team. Why the fuck not? They've done it before. Chuck Holly won Super Bowl V's MVP, and he was on the losing end of the game. The Colts beat the Cowboys in that game, and he still won Super Bowl MVP. I don't think anyone's complaining about that right now. And even if someone was complaining about it back then, if you're the clear and obvious best player on the team or most important player in the game, you should be MVP. Just like how occasionally we'll have the uh, like FedEx, Aaron Ground uh, players of the week. And sometimes it's the losing teams 
that have the best player. There's nothing wrong with that. No one fusses about that. They'll say, oh, just giving an example, Derrick Henry rushed for 275 yards. Okay, that's awesome. He, the Titans lost by, you know, three points. He's still the ground player of the week. He would still, anyone would still say, oh, he had the best uh, game of like anyone this week. If Aaron Rodgers threw for eight touchdowns and he somehow lost, which that'd be crazy. Can you imagine that? Aaron Rodgers throws for eight touchdowns and the Packers lose. Oh, he would lose his mind. Trust me, we, we think he's sensitive right now. He would be so upset, and he would be saying how the coaching staff needs to be fired and everything. But say he threw for eight touchdowns, and he's on the losing end of the deal, that the Packers lose to, I'm going to say the Lions, just to fuck with people. Say they lose to the Lions. Jared Goff threw six touchdowns, and they had two rushing touchdowns, and they went up with a field goal. I don't think anyone would say, oh, well, Aaron Rodgers, he, he didn't have the best week as a quarterback. No. They've been setting a record for single season or single game touchdown record. He definitely would have the best game. It doesn't matter if you're on the winning or losing end. You can be the best player in the game and still lose. And that's where I think that things need to change. And I'm just for the hell of it, I'm going to say Eli Apple most valuable player because if he's not on the field, maybe Cooper Cup doesn't get those two touchdowns. I would also say that you could almost credit OBJ's touchdown to Eli Apple because he should have been covering him. He said how he wanted to follow OBJ the entire day, and he didn't, and then there was a touchdown. Maybe he was stopped at thanks, uh, Eli Apple, for not stopping that touchdown. Three touchdowns if you're going to be an asshole like how I'm being right now towards Eli Apple. He gave up three in a sense. So, Eli Apple should be the most valuable player and also the least valuable player, in a sense. But it's just ridiculous. Like, Cooper Cup, yes, great great day. He played very well. I do not believe he should have been MVP. I don't think he should have been MVP over Aaron Donald. I don't think he should have been MVP over Stafford either. And I know that certain people will say, oh, well, Stafford had two interceptions. Had two had two interceptions. But the issue is, those were hard passes. It's not like the Bengals' secondary was underwhelming during that game. They, they were playing very well. They were playing sound defense. Now, of course, yes, Eli Apple did have his moments and fucked up here and there and was kind of the butt of the joke for the entire Super Bowl. I don't think any Rams fan like made fun of the Bengals when I was at the bars. There was Rams fans and Bengals fans at the bars that I was at watching the games and not a single one like gloated in the Bengals fans face, but they did make fun of Eli Apple so much. And that's why I'm saying like, yeah, the Bengals lost, but Eli Apple definitely lost. Like, I don't know how you can keep Eli Apple on your team after everything he had done to bring attention to the team and to make people kind of not want to root for the Bengals. So I don't know. And if we say, if we got, OBJ for the entire second half of the game. I would say that he 
would have been probably more deserving than Cooper Cup for the Super Bowl MVP because I can nearly guarantee that he would have ended up finishing with a better day than Cooper Cup. And the reason why I want to bring up OBJ a little bit is because I also want to talk about field turf. Field turf should not be a thing in the NFL. should only be real, real grass. Billionaires would tell you to protect your investment, and then they make investments into players, and then they don't protect them by having grass fields. Look at the statistics based on grass fields, grass field injuries versus turf field injuries. There's going to be far more turf injuries. And for those who don't believe me, go search up why soccer, that the players have it in their contract that they will not play on turf because they do not want to get injured. Turf has no give when you make your cuts and everything. No give at all. Dirt, at least, will get torn up a little bit. Turf, 100%, causes more injuries per capita compared to grass fields. And the owners of these billion-dollar companies really need to realize that paying a field crew to cut the grass and maintain the look of the field is definitely going to be cheaper than signing more players after injuries occur from, you know, tearing your ACL on some turf. Because think about it. If you had to pay, let's just say that you had to pay a million dollars. Let's break it down. If it comes down to it, would you rather pay a million dollars to protect your investment by, you know, getting the grass cut, having it maintained, you know, watering it, whatever? Or would you have to pay rather pay $2 million and watch the person that you invested money into get injured, and then you have to go sign new players to replace that one player and watch your investment not be on the field to not help make you more money. I'm not trying to make these players seem like some sort of material, but imagine you go and buy a new car, and it takes premium gas, and you are putting E85 gasoline into the tank. Will it run? Yeah, it will for a bit, but it will end up needing repairs sooner than you should get or need repairs on it. Grass fields are premium gas, and turf is E85. The only difference in this football scenario, premium is actually cheaper for the billionaire. It would be cheaper to buy a premium product compared to the lesser product. I can't believe that I'm the one saying this, but save your fucking money, billionaire. Owners, if you lose your big-name player, let's say quarterback, wide receiver, running back, etc., not as many people are going to show up to buy your $10 beers, your $15 burgers, your $40 foam fingers, your $150 jerseys that you sell at the stadium. I'm not asking for a lot here. I'm just asking for y'all to be smart with your money, something that billionaires, I feel like, should be pretty smart with their money. Like, it just shocks me. It's ruining the game a little bit to have turf field. There are fields that I believe Arizona has it. I think Las Vegas has it as well, where they literally just wheel in the field 
into the stadium and it's grass. Why not do something like that? It would definitely be cheaper than you having turf and then having to pay three, four, five, six players that weren't on your team to replace players that were big-name studs. Imagine if Aaron Donald tore his ACL in that game because of the turf, I'm saying, for that reason. And the reason why I'm saying that OBJ's injury was because of the turf was because you can see that his leg kind of just stiffens up and then it just it, it just happens. There was no contact. It was all because it his foot stuck into the ground. It didn't give. And I'm not saying that ACLs don't tear on grass. They do, but it is less common. So, owners, be smart. Get rid of your fucking turf fields because they aren't good for the body. They're terrible for the body also. I'm just saying for... You know, saying that you care about players and their bodies and their long-term health, getting turf burn over and over again on your body can require surgery to get that skin, like, repaired. So, these players who have been dealing with sliding on this turf after getting tackled, getting burned up, that, that skin stiffens. And it gets to the point where eventually the movement of their joints or of their body is not as great. And they end up needing to get surgery. And it's ridiculous. You could literally get grass and then be saying how you care about player health and safety. You are protecting your investment and you're going to make more money. I think that's not just a win. That's a win, win, win. It's really ridiculous. And it's foolish of a billionaire not to realize that you can protect your million-dollar or multi-million-dollar investments by just saving money. It's amazing. Imagine if you could do that. Imagine if I told you, hey, you could make money by saving your money. You could double your money by just saving it, by buying a cheaper product that works just as good, if not better. I'm sure a lot of you would be like, hell yeah, sign me up. And I feel bad for OBJ because now he's going to have to rehab for the entire year, probably miss, a, he's going to miss a majority of next season, maybe the entirety of the entire next season. I do think that the Rams will re-sign him, and I think that he will give a kind of like a hometown discount. But... <laughs> It sucks for OBJ. He's 29 years old. He's not getting any younger. Him statistically over the years, you you know, if you looked at the beginning of OBJ's career, you would think that he was a surefire future Hall of Famer based on how he performed. And due to injuries, due to being in schemes that did not match his play style, you, he, he's kind of been hindered by that and because of that his he's not a future hall of famer i don't think if the rams went back to the super bowl next year and he won a second ring i don't think he'd be a hall of famer i don't think anyone would say oh he's a surefire hall of famer right now he is it's like a guarantee i would say that he is not going into the hall of fame he needs a couple seasons of 12 1300 yards probably more even just to be even considered for that and i don't think he's gonna have a chance to do that 
I think that his season or his career was kind of robbed from him by being on bad teams, being on the Browns who did not match his skill set. It, it kind of fucked him, and it sucks because he looks like he's performed well with the Rams and that he would perform well. Now, I do think that a lot of people have also overhyped his play with the Rams because everyone's saying, oh, he's... I, I remember everyone was saying, oh, he's a stud. You know, he is great. He's one of the best uh, wide receivers in the NFL, especially now that he's on the Rams. He only had like 300 yards this season. And I know that a lot of that he played with the Browns, but he also played a good amount of it with the Rams. And he didn't put up a lot of yards. He, Yeah, he had some touchdowns. Didn't put up a lot of yards, though. I'd say he's a... And I know certain people are going to say this is a hot take, but I genuinely believe it. He's a very, very good number two receiver. He's not a number one. Cooper Cup's a number one receiver. He's very, very good, but he's not a number one. It's not like he excelled or made the Rams move to a higher level. Now, I think if Robert Woods was still there and they had Robert Woods, OBJ, and Cooper Cup, and Tyler Higby on the field in that game, oh my God, it would have been electric. But doesn't necessarily mean that he would have been getting the ball all the time. I'm just saying it's it's a little stunning uh, that everyone's kind of like hyping him up as much as he is. I know that I kind of hyped him up saying like how his career was robbed. Because it was, but at the same time, it looks like he isn't a number one based on how he's played this year. I know certain people, again, will say that's a hot take. And you can say whatever you want. You're entitled to your opinion, just like I'm entitled to mine. But I do believe, and now I'm going to kind of hype him up a little bit more. I do believe that he would have won the MVP, potentially, or had a better chance to win the MVP if he stayed healthy for the entire game. And in Cooper Cup's final score, the game-winning touchdown, I guess you could say, why was Cooper Cup not double-teamed? I understand that you're on the goal line. It's kind of hard to double-team a wide receiver on the goal line. But at the same time, why not? If I'm the, if I'm the Bengals, I know it's easier said right now after we have seen what happened. But if I'm the Bengals, I'm putting two corners on Cooper Cup, and then I'm putting Eli Apple on whoever else. And it's not because I'm like trying to shit on Eli Apple. I would much rather have my number one corner, which for them seems like it's Eli Apple, covering the second string, which would now be like the third or fourth string wide receiver, and then having my second and third string corner covering my number one receiver. Because or the number one receiver. Because if you do that, you have, yeah, not the best talent going up against the best talent, but you have one person guaranteed to be shut down because you have your best corner against, like, a fourth-string wide receiver, and then you have two corners covering their best receiver. It's going to make it more difficult. It's definitely going to make it more difficult for the Rams. And I don't think that they score the touchdown if they do that, if I'm being quite frankly honest. But again, hindsight is kind of 2020, so it it's all shoulda, woulda, coulda. Uh, with that said, we are going to take a quick break. When we return, we are going to be doing our final segment, 
And that segment is a little bit about Tom Brady. And I know that certain people are saying, oh, God, why more Tom Brady? And the reason is Tom Brady is not retired. I'll explain more after this. Welcome back. This is the final segment of the Football News and Knowledge podcast, and we are going to be discussing why Tom Brady is not retired. And the reason why I say that, I know some of you might be searching up, oh, did he unretire and everything? And no, he did not officially unretire. But I do believe he is not retired. I think that he is planning on coming back because. Everything he has done shows that he kind of wants to return. And for those who are saying, oh, you know, players do this, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, they do. But hear me out. I believe that Tom Brady doesn't want to play for the Buccaneers anymore. Because, quite frankly, I'm not trying to, like, call out Tom Brady at all. The best, the greatest to ever do it. But I think he's kind of ring-chasing a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I am not going to lie at all. Because he knows that the Buccaneers are not in the Super Bowl window anymore. They could be definitely a playoff team with him on there. But they are not in the Super Bowl window. They're going to need to re-sign certain players. I just don't see it happening. That they would get back to the Super Bowl this year or next year or in the next couple years because a lot of players, their contracts are coming to an end very soon. Maybe not this year, but next year, and they're going to need to find a way to pay them. And Tom Brady's not going to be on as great of a team if he's on the Buccaneers. I think that he's waiting for the Buccaneers to sign a veteran quarterback so that way he can come out of retirement and go play for the San Francisco 49ers, his hometown team. He grew up a 49er fan. He wanted to play for the 49ers before he signed with the Buccaneers. It's very clear and obvious that if, I forget what the interview was, but he said, like, who the fuck, like, you keeping that motherfucker? When they when he found out that the 49ers were keeping Jimmy Garoppolo over him, trying to sign him, he was shocked, and I'm sure he would love to play for the 49ers. And the 49ers, they're a great team. If they have Tom Brady on their team this past year, they're going to the Super Bowl. They win the Super Bowl, I would probably say as well, because they have a great offense. They have a great defense. All they're missing is a great quarterback. Who would be better than the person who led the NFL in passing yards, passing touchdowns, who was an MVP candidate. I would take uh, Tom Brady over Aaron Rodgers, actually, if I'm doing a one-year stint. Not going to lie. And I'm going to say it right now. I believe that Tom Brady, although he wouldn't admit it, I'm sure, I believe that he was planning on retiring after this, this year. But I think he was planning on retiring a two-time champion. Because he came back 
last year to play with the Buccaneers, and they, they reformed the super team. This, the Buccaneers, I have said right from the beginning, they were a super good team that they were going to end up being Super Bowl contenders the entire year, and I said that they were arguably the best team in the NFL and the most stacked team in the NFL. They had great depth. They had great talent all around. They looked like they were going to make a repeat, and I think that he was planning on repeating and retiring. He would have been the first time that a quarterback or team repeated since the Patriots did earlier in his career. So I think he wanted to be able to say, hey, not only did I kind of start a dynasty with the Patriots, but I also started one with the Buccaneers. Now, no other quarterback in NFL history could say that. None. Not a single one. So, I think he was planning on winning back-to-back and then retiring. Now, I think he would have retired last year if the Buccaneers were just not going to be able to resign all their players. I don't think he would have came back and played with the Buccaneers. Would have been the point. He would have proved everyone wrong. He would have proved the Patriots wrong. Like, hey, you should have kept me for one more year. Even though Mac Jones looks great, you could have still drafted Mac Jones and, you know, went and just developed him behind Tom Brady for a year. Could have done that. He would, He's proved them wrong. He has proved all the doubters wrong, and he won a Super Bowl without Bill Belichick. So it, it, he's literally done everything that a quarterback could have done. Why not retire? I am genuinely curious because if you're able to find a reason why he won't retire last year after going to a new team winning a Super Bowl with that team, proving everyone wrong, please tell me. You guys know my Instagram. You guys know the Football News and Knowledge Twitter page. You guys can message me whenever you message, and it'll get to me some way, and I will literally talk about it if you find a way. But I don't see any other way where you could say, man, he just keeps stacking on to his career. Unless you're going to say, oh, yeah, he's adding more touchdowns to his career, passing yards, yada, yada, yada. But I'm not talking about that. Yeah, statistics are great and everything, but he'll eventually be passed in all those categories. Probably by Aaron Rodgers, if I'm being real honest. I do believe that he would have retired last year. Because if he knew that he, or if he knew that the Buccaneers weren't going to get back to the playoffs or get back to the Super Bowl, I think he would have retired because he would have looked at it like, hey, what's better than retiring as a Super Bowl champion? And then he saw the team getting rebuilt and everything and, you know, everyone was coming back. And he goes, man, we could build a dynasty. And then I could retire as the quarterback that led a terrible franchise into a dynasty in my first two years. I want to do that. Now there's only one thing he really wants to do, and we all know it. He wants to play for the team that he idolized growing up, the San Francisco 49ers. I think that he's going to come out of retirement right after the Buccaneers sign a veteran quarterback. That's why I think he's talking about, like, you know, never say never and everything. I believe that he wants to play for the Niners. I could be wrong, 
but it's just what I'm feeling. And don't be shocked if the if after the Buccaneers sign a quarterback that he comes out of retirement and tries to sign with the 49ers or the 49ers make him an offer because I think it would be good for the 49ers as well. You know, they let Trey Lance develop one more year, really see how the best to ever do it does it, learn under Tom Brady. I think it would be a great idea, even for the 49ers. I think the 49ers would probably get a Super Bowl out of it as well. So, I don't know. It's just kind of what I'm feeling. With all that said, though, I hope you guys have a great weekend. That does bring us to the end of the episode. So, like I said, I hope you guys do have a great weekend. And we will see you again next week. We might be going down to one episode per week now, seeing as we are in the offseason. I am not sure... If we do go down to one episode, it will be most likely the Friday episode that we will do. With all that said, guys, have a great weekend. If you drink, do not drive. You know, get an Uber, Lyft, just some sort of ride here. Call a friend, call a family member. It is not worth losing your life over. But until next week, have a great one. Have a great weekend. And we will see you again later. Peace.